welcome to The Career Studio, a USU career services podcast that helps you navigate your career path. Thanks for joining us for our Friday face-to-face episode. I'm Marissa Armistead, your host, and I am so excited to have Brian Clapp joining us this morning. Welcome, Brian. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm doing great. What a beautiful morning. So Brian has worked in broadcast and digital media for over 20 years as a writer, editor, producer, news director, podcaster, manager, (laughs) and content marketer and strategist. He worked in broadcast media at CNN Sports Illustrated and Fox Sports Northwest for 12 years, leading large teams acting as the gatekeeper for all journalistic decision-making. Eventually, he transitioned to the digital marketing side of sports with an emphasis on content creation and inbound marketing. He now works for WorkInSports.com as VP in content and engaged learning, where he works for smaller sports-specific agencies. Additionally, he is the host, writer, producer, booking agent, audio (laughs) editor, and promotion manager of the Work in Sports podcast. He also has made several university public speaking appearances. Have I embarrassed you enough yet, Brian? I know. That was a great, wow. I I was sitting there thinking, well, I guess I really have done a lot. Thank you. That was nice. Well, Brian, I always like to start our conversations off with a fun little fact. And you mentioned that you have a 10,000 square foot organic garden that your family more or less tries to live off of. So I have to know, is there a backstory to this garden? Where did that start? Yeah. So I grew up in Massachusetts and we had about 13 acres worth of land. We were outside of Boston and between Worcester and Boston. We had about 13 acres. And when I was a kid, I started to want to grow vegetables. I just thought it was super cool to watch that whole process happen. And then, you know, you get into college, you go through your career. I'm living in Atlanta. I'm living in Seattle downtown. I'm living in Denver and there's no opportunity for that. And so we recently, about four or five years ago, moved outside of Philadelphia in Pennsylvania. And we have a little bit more land now. We have about four acres. And it had always just been a passion of mine that I wanted to recreate again. And now that I have three kids, myself at just getting them involved in that process and seeing that whole thing and knowing where their food comes from and being able to control what goes into the creation process as far as whether or not you decide to use chemicals or whether or not you decide to use anything really, um, whatever process you want to use, it's just really informative to them. And I have found that I love it. It gets me outside. It's really active for me. But then also on top of that, my kids understand the whole process better and, and eat better and they're much more attached to their food. So, I mean, we're still eating stuff off the garden, even though it's November right now now. We had Swiss chard and Brussels sprouts and all kinds of things still coming through. So I don't know. There's just something that's really, really prideful that comes out of that. And most people are very surprised to hear that a 25 year veteran of the sports industry also has an organic garden. (laughs) That's fabulous. No, that's great. Well, and I love this idea of really digging in and learning and understanding how the world works. And and I love that you're teaching that to your kids anyway. So I think that's awesome. No, there's a lot to unpack there. Seriously. Like that's a lot of it. Like I would consider myself an extremely curious person in general. And that's not just for sports, that's for anything. And so like when I get into cooking, I want to learn everything there is to learn about it. I want to learn from the experts. I want to see how it works. I want to really understand the entire process. And the same thing with gardening, the same thing with sports and whatever. I don't, go at anything really half. I kind of go at it full bore. So would you find yourself on a Saturday morning watching the cooking channels? Is that what I'm hearing? (laughs) Yeah, there's some of that for sure. Like that's how it started out. So I did, I wanted to be able to cook for the kids and my wife was never really into cooking. So I was like, all right, this is something I want to do. I want to be able to create and cook from scratch. It started out watching a lot of shows and it came to reading and then it came to just trying and and just experimenting and, and working through what you learn. We watch YouTube videos, whatever it may be, and you can do anything. Thing. Like it's amazing how much information is out there now. You can really do 
anything. Like I learned how to do our podcast by watching YouTube videos. Yes. Like not everything has, I mean, there's so much you can do in school and there's courses you can take that are so important and so smart for you to do and to learn those high level skills. But then there's also so many things you can supplement by going on YouTube or just reading or just being out there and trying things. And I think that's a powerful part of the whole human experience. Absolutely. Well, I'm so excited. This is a great segue into what we're going to be talking about today, Brian. So this month, we really wanted to focus in on career non-negotiables or those career make or breaks that help us steer through all of that career decision making and keep you from letting all of your personal values completely slip and go to the sidelines as you are making some of those important decisions. So I'd love for you to take us back to your first real big kid job out of college, um, working with CNN and Sports Illustrated as a video editor. So what initially drew you into that position? So I started out college. So I played soccer pretty competitively and then blew out my knee and wasn't going to be able to play any further in college. But I had to go through long series of physical therapy to repair and renew my knee because it was pretty shredded. So I did that for eight months and I was like, wow, this was kind of a cool way to stay connected to sports. So my first thought was I went to college. I was a biology and chemistry double major planning to go into physical therapy. And I went through my freshman year and I went through my sophomore year. My grades were good. They were, you know, B plus A minus kind of average, but I just wasn't really enjoying it. I wasn't as happy as I thought I would be. And I remember going home after my sophomore year and and saying to my mom, I was like, you know, I just, I'm not sure what to do. I feel kind of lost right now. And she's like, you know what? You've spent your entire life when nobody was telling you what to do, you would go and watch sports and you'd read about sports and you'd open up the newspaper and read box scores. She's like, that's what you've always found enjoyment from. So explore that. And so I changed over to communication major with an emphasis in television production because to me, the sports industry back then, this was the, in the 90s, so I'm dating myself, but this was in the 90s. And the sports industry back then was very much through the broadcast media. Obviously, you could work for teams, but then the biggest brands were ESPN and CNN and Sports Illustrated and some of these really big brands that surrounded sports. And so to me, that was the way to express it was to be on the video side and on the television production side and then on the journalism side, because I did. I read Sports Illustrated all the time. I watched ESPN all the time. And so I changed over to that as my major and I knew I was kind of behind the eight ball. So I started doing internships aggressively. I started researching the industry to try to figure out what the specific skills were that were in demand. Like, what's the trend? What are people learning? What is that angle that's going to make me stand out? Because I felt like I was a little bit behind everybody else and just started to really throw myself into it. And then I was applying to, I mean, every job you could imagine back then and just trying to get any kind of a callback or interest. And some of it was probably luck. I will admit that. But for the most part, I think that I knew what the industry needed. And at the time, the technology that was we were shifting over to in the broadcast media was something called nonlinear editing. This is kind of funny because right now that's Final Cut Pro, that's Adobe Premiere Pro. These are programs you can use on your laptop, right? Right. But back then in, 19, in 1996, it was like this huge edit bay, million dollar machinery, tons of equipment. It was crazy. And so I made it my goal in college to learn that skill because I knew that was what was in demand. And then CNN was starting this new network in conjunction with Sports Illustrated and they were going to completely be nonlinear. And that was a industry like huge move. Like nobody else had done that yet. I had that skill and I had sports knowledge. So I matched up with what the industry needed. And I think that's one of the most important things I try to get across and teach people, no matter what industry you want to work in, sports or otherwise, if you can figure out what's in demand and make sure you have those skills and really understand what the industry wants and needs, you will stand out for the right reasons. You will stand out because of your skill profile. And then you have a chance to 
sell them on, you know, who you are and all your soft skills and all your leadership qualities and things like that. So I got a call back from CNN Sports Illustrated when so many of my friends were starting out working at a tiny station in Pocatello, Idaho and slowly working their way up or they were in Bozeman, Montana or they were Champaign, Illinois. They're working in these tiny, tiny, tiny little stations. I was starting out at one of the biggest networks in the sports industry, biggest networks in the world. And that ended up being my incredible experience that was almost like getting my master's. Like I really saw all the best practices of how the industry was supposed to work. That was the greatest way to start things off. That's awesome. And I love that you're sharing kind of some of these nuggets that you're learning in that process, mentioning the fact that gaining skill sets is so important and not only skill sets, but gaining relevant, transferable skill sets that are helpful in the future. You know, as a career coach, I talk to students all the time about this. What skills are you going to gain in this major or in this internship? And Mm, and so I, I can't emphasize enough that point of finding and building those relevant skills. Like you said, whether it's in a degree or whether it's in an internship or a job, whatever it may be. So love those insights, Brian. It's so true. I try to hammer that home a lot with people that ask me for advice and I'll say, look, the answers are out there. The, the job boards like ours and others that are telling you in the job description exactly what they want. They're telling you 10 skills that we need to have for this role. If you are in your college career and you can look at those and look at jobs that interest you, it doesn't matter what industry and take notes on what skills that they're demanding. That makes all your decision making while you're in college that much smarter. When you choose internships, when you choose volunteer opportunities, when you choose on your downtime to watch YouTube videos, make sure that they're filling some of those gaps and teaching you the things you need. Your course selection, everything. Teaching those things you need that are in demand for the market you want to end up in and you'll be in a much better position when you start applying. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So Brian, so two years later, you start moving up the ladder to associate producer and then a year later to producer. I'm curious, what nudged you each of those times to take that new position? Yeah. So one of the great things about working in an organization like CNN and Sports Illustrated is that they have career paths almost built out for you in a little bit. So you know when you first start where you can advance to. And you might have options. You might have pathways you can go if you want to go more on the production side, more on the editorial side, more on different avenues you can pursue. But once you kind of know what your vibe is and which direction you want to go, you kind of know the steps that are ahead of you. And that I found very powerful. I like that personally because I like to see what I'm aiming for and what I have to do to get there. And I like to be able to set goals for myself and say, okay, I want to be an associate producer by next year. What steps do I need to take to get there? And so I became just very focused on that. And one of the great things about starting with what was a new network or any kind of a new organization is that there's a lot of upward mobility because you have a chance as the organization grows, you got in there at the very beginning, you know how things work from the ground up. You can really start to expand as the company expands as well. And so for me, my pathway, because I wanted to get into a top journalism decision-making position, like a leader coordinating producer, executive producer type role. For me, it was going from a production assistant slash video editor to then being an associate producer where I'm working hand in hand with a producer and then actually producing my own shows and then actually going on the next phase from there. So I knew what my path was. And the interesting thing is, I think, is that when you, when I first started out and I was a video editor, production assistant, I'm editing game highlights. I'm, I'm covering press conferences. I was working from six at night until two in the morning because that's when sports happens. And we were on in Atlanta. So if we're doing a show for the West Coast, because it's a national sports network, you're doing a show for the West Coast, primetime 11 o'clock kind of show is two o'clock in the morning on the East Coast. So you're doing a live show at two o'clock in the morning and you just have a whole different schedule. Sports happens on the weekends too. So my off days were Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Sports happen on holidays. So I didn't really have holidays off and it was just a different experience to get used to. But for me, I loved that. I thrived under that. I liked the oddity of the schedule. I liked the urgency and the the demands and the, the, the urgency is the best way I can say it. When you have 
breaking news and you have highlights and a game that just finishes right before it's supposed to go on air. And there's just like this pressure to perform all the time. Loved it. Thrived under that. And so for going from being, you know, you start out and you're an individual contributor. You have a certain task you're supposed to do. You have a certain thing you need to accomplish each day and then your day's done and you go home and you start it over the next day. The further up you go in your career though, it starts to expand. It's not just the day assignments. You start to do more planning, do more looking ahead, do more budgeting, do more hiring, do more, you know, six months planning out for spring training or whatever it may be. And so for me, that was the path. So you get up and do an associate producer and you're working hand in hand with the producer as their assistant in a lot of ways to make the show as best it can possibly be. It's a great training ground. Then you learn how to be a producer. Then you produce for a while and you learn how to be an executive producer. You know, you're just going through these stages. And I found that to be just a natural pathway for me. So Brian, as you're sharing this, I'm so curious at what point, so when does your wife come into the picture? When do your kids come into this picture? Because I think so many people are choosing after this lifestyle, but then there's kind of a, but I have this. So I'm curious, yes. how did that work out for you? It's so true. Okay. So this is one of the hard revelations of working in the sports industry sometimes is that it can be difficult on personal relationships. And so for a long time, my now wife and has been of, oh my gosh, we just had another anniversary. How many years is that? 17 years. Okay, I had to do the quick math in my head there or else I'd be in big, I'd be in double if she listened. 17 years, but we were together while I was doing all this and she worked a normal nine to five job with Saturdays and Sundays off. And so that put a lot of strain in our relationship for a long time where even if on a Sunday, I don't have to work until four o'clock at night, like all day you're kind of preparing for that moment rather than really enjoying the time together. And then I'm working crazy late nights and sometimes she's going out with other friend groups and I'm missing out on that. Or it's 4th of July and I have to go to work and everybody's having a barbecue. It definitely puts a strain on things. I always knew that my goal was to get to a point of management where I could be a news director or I could be running an operation so that I could get on a more slightly regular schedule. And that the first... I say 10 years were kind of paying my dues a little bit and establishing my knowledge and abilities. But there were definitely people that I worked with who were in their 40s at the time who had kids and wife and everything like that and were still working the six at night until two in the morning kind of shift. And I knew that I eventually would reach a point that I wasn't going to be comfortable with that anymore. And so that's why I progressed in my, in my career to the point of being more on the management side. And that gave it a little bit more stability. Interesting. And yeah, as we're kind of centering this conversation on career non-negotiables, it sounds like while you had priorities at different points in your life, some of those priorities shift a little bit as, as yes. plans change. And, and I think that's a really valuable lesson that you're really hitting on here. So I love that. It's right. so true. As you go through life, you're always kind of pivoting and you're kind of making different decisions and you're reevaluating and you're saying to yourself, okay, what was okay to me last year is not okay to me now. And you just make those changes and you have to know what your own goals are. Like I always took it from the perspective of, of, I know what's important to me and I know where I want to end up. And so there might be a period of time where those two things are kind of overlapping. Like I'm not really hitting either one of them perfectly, but I'm getting benefits of both. I'm still building my relationships personally. I'm also building my career so that at some point I can have my relationship really solid and tight and have my career in a position where I can have both of those things. So it's like compromise at the beginning and then kind of unrelenting near the end. I'm pretty unrelenting now as far as what I'm willing to accept. And I wasn't in my twenties yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, no, and I think that's a great point. You know, especially when you have that flexibility as perhaps a younger, you know, college age student, and you can take whatever job and you can work whatever hours. I think that's a great point to really maximize that time that you have to get that yeah. experience. So true. Well, Brian. Okay, so now I'm curious. So back to kind of looking at your career timeline, if you will. So you eventually switched to Fox Sports Net. So talk to us about what were some of the similarities between the two companies. What were some of the differences? Oh, polar opposites. I will tell you that. 
that. So I was at CNN and we had reached a point where it had been seven years. The network was struggling and it wasn't beating ESPN as the goal was. And they started to shut down the network, the 24 hour sports news network. And so most of the entire staff got laid off and I actually was transitioned. They said, we'd like you to stay on staff and work for headline news doing the sports over at CNN headline news. And so I did that for about four or five, maybe six months, but I was so bored because I went from producing a 60 minute show, an hour long show that took so much work and so much intensity and writing and so much organization and skill to then going and producing two minutes an hour. And I was bored. I was so bored. And I was like, I am too young. I think I was 28. I am too young to be bored. I need to be pushing right now. So I started looking for other opportunities outside, even though I had a good job and a lot of my friends got laid off, which was, which was hard, but I started pushing for other opportunities and Fox sports was one of the other big brands out there as far as sports media goes and sports broadcasting. And so there was an opportunity for a show based out of LA that one of our anchors from CNN Sports Illustrated left and started working on. It was this show called the best damn sports show period. And it was really cheesy, but that's neither here nor there. One of our anchors went and started working for that show. And so he recommended me for a role as a senior producer there. And so I started interviewing with them and it was going really well. And they said, you know, we have this other opportunity up in Seattle to be a coordinating producer for one of our regional sports networks. Which role would you be more interested in? I thought about it and I talked to my wife and I thought, you know what? I think we might be more Seattle people than LA people. So we decided to go for that move. And so I went out to Fox Sports. I'd never been to Seattle, but I ended up loving it. It's a great city. Met a lot of great people. Had a really good time now running a department. So I learned a lot from budgetary and planning and hiring and firing and training and development and all of those things. So it was an important part of my career. But I found the two organizations worked in very different ways. At CNN, everything, everything had to be double and triple checked before it went to air. We had to have multiple sources. We had to go to the extremes to make sure the journalism was on point and the story was accurate. Fox Sports was more like, if you were walking by somebody and you thought you heard them say something, that's probably good enough. Just go with it. And that drove me nuts. I hated it. My bosses at Fox Sports Northwest were great. Fine. My general manager was a fantastic guy. The corporate offices from LA that would come up and tell us the way of doing things in their style or would have overarching superiority, wanted us to push further in our storytelling, take chances and show more cheerleaders and more like scantily clothed people. And that didn't jive with me. That just wasn't something I was comfortable with. So I was at Fox Sports for four or five years, but I just got frustrated with the way that it organized and the way that it's structured. And I was also kind of despondent that they weren't pushing for digital media. They weren't pushing for social. They weren't looking for ways to expand their reach. They were pretty much stuck in a, we do broadcast kind of sense. And so I got kind of frustrated by that and figured out after a while, it was just time for me to move on. So interesting. And one thing that really stood out to me as you were sharing that is, and especially given the COVID times that we're living in, you said you were a valuable member of the team. And when a lot of people were being let go, you were kept on. And so I really want to look at that and analyze it a little bit, because I think for students right now, there are plenty of people who are losing their jobs there. They're being let go. So how did you find yourself? as a valuable member? What were you doing to make sure you were a valuable asset to the team? I never said no to anything. I would do whatever it took. Matter of fact, there were people that, and it's still, they still laugh at me to this day. One of the crazy things about being at a place like CNN Sports Illustrated, we had 250 
employees. Everybody's gone out to other networks. I mean, I could list off the people. Willie Geist, who's on the Today Show, is one of my good friends who I worked with in the industry. Chris Rose and Steve Berthium and Vince Cellini and Fred Hickman, all these famous people in the sports world. And I, I, they used to make fun of me because I would run around. They would like mock me because if something needed to get done, I would be like running around the newsroom. Like I would be like, I had to get this thing on air. So I'm like running with the tape and tossing it and always everything was moving fast. Like I would just always move at a crazy pace. And then I remember I was one of our lead editor for our NFL program. So that show aired on Sunday mornings. It aired on CNN and on CNN Sports Illustrated. Simulcast show got millions of viewers, biggest show of the week. So I was the lead editor on that show. And it would take me probably Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all those days to edit all the components for that show. And it's Saturday night at like 10 o'clock and I just finished and the entire system crashed. Everything was lost. Everything I'd worked on for three days was gone. And my boss, Sandy Malcolm, this wonderful woman that I worked for for a long time, who's been a long time mentor to me, comes up to me and says, well, you know what to do, right? And I knew without her even saying a word, what she meant was the show's still airing tomorrow. You've got 12 hours, get to work. And that was like the unspoken message. And what that did was it kind of showed that I had that extra work ethic and a desire and ability to accomplish that I was willing to do whatever it took. I stayed all night and got it done for the next day. And I think that kind of just earned the respect of all my peers and bosses to know that she didn't have to beg me. She didn't have to fight with me. She didn't have to argue with me. She just said, you know what to do, right? And I did it. That's the way I was as a young employee was I'm going to do everything to hundred percent. And I never slacked off. I always tried to learn and push and ask questions. I consider myself a very curious person. So I asked a lot of questions and I tried to get the best out of everybody. And so I think that's what it always stood out is that, you know, you, you can get a job, you can learn skills, but there's that little extra something, that little extra 1% that puts you ahead of other people that can make the difference in how fast you get promoted, how important you are within the organization, how valued you are. And so all those little moments that you have to stand out for the right reasons are important. Well, and I think that really speaks to the importance of humility and combining that with the work ethic that you're talking about, you know, being yeah. willing to take those early on, maybe not glorious positions or glorious tasks. <laughs> That's true. That's but for being, sure. But being able to to see a little bit past that as well. So I think that's a great point. Okay. So I really want to make sure we have time to chat a little bit about your current position with work in yeah. sports. So you've done all of the things I would say with work in the sports. Yeah. <laughs> but talk to us. I'm really curious. You know, I know you're doing content creation, engaged learning, um, really helping people find jobs, um, which is such a yeah. cool industry to be in right now. But I'm curious, what is your work life compared to maybe that first CNN job? What are they look like? How do they compare? It's so different. And this gets to your point of the non-negotiables. I reached a point where I have, I have three young kids now, and that is my absolute priority. It's not about my career anymore. It just isn't. It's about them and being a part of their lives. When I left Fox and started my own site, that was so I could have my own flexible schedule and just work when I wanted to and not have to answer to somebody else's requirements. And I earned that. I earned that over the first 10 or 15 years of my career. And then work in sports purchased my site and, you know, brought me into, into the fold. And I basically said the same thing to them. I'm like, I'm going to work plenty. Don't worry. But I want to work, you know, when it fits my schedule and I'm not moving to Phoenix to work for you. I'm going to work from where I am. And they were like, okay. You know, so you get to a point where you're able to make different demands. Your leverage changes. When you're early on in your career, you don't really have much leverage. You don't have much leverage on salary. You don't have much leverage on the benefits they're willing to give you because you're an unproven commodity. But when you get to a point where you become more proven, you have enough proof of concept that you can do the job and do it to a really, really, really high level. Well, then you have more leverage and you ask for things that are important. And so I made those demands and I said, I want to be able to work from home. And so I do. I'm in my basement right now talking to you. I mean, this is my kids are upstairs (laughs) learning. They're, They're in school 
right now, like upstairs because they're, they're remote right now at, at their school. And so again, I'm around my kids. I'm around my wife. I still perform high on my job. I still get everything done that I need to get done. I still put in all the hours, but I have that flexibility. And that's important as I mesh my life in my career and moving forward and utilizing the leverage I have. You know, some people use leverage in order to make more money. For me, it was, I want to use my leverage to get more time uh, and flexibility around my kids. That became my non-negotiable. And that's been the greatest change I could ever have. I love that. And, and I love just this process of understanding that those priorities shift. And I think that's just so key as we're moving throughout life. There's times to flex and really work hard and, and put in that extra time, that extra effort. And, and yeah. then there's times when you recognize that you have different priorities and work may not be that number one thing. You may have a kid, you may have five kids and, and that will yeah. shift. So I really love that perspective. Well, Brian, I have one final question for you. And that question yeah. is, if you could give one piece of advice about determining career non-negotiables, what would it be? I think it's for my perspective, it's staying flexible. I know we're talking about non-negotiables, which sounds very rigid, but I think you have to stay flexible to where you are at that moment. I think you have to stay flexible and present where you are, because what you might find is in, in a certain time period of your life and career, your non-negotiables may be different and they may be changing and they may be adjusting. And so stay open to that. To be honest with you, 100% honest, early on, I had no career negotiable. I mean, I had no non-negotiables other than role. I wanted to make sure I was in a position that could make a long-term difference for my career, that it was aligned with who I wanted to be. That was the number one thing. I had opportunities other than CNN Sports Illustrated that were willing to pay me more, but it was not where I wanted to be. And I didn't see that as a path that would take me to the extreme of where I wanted to be. And I wasn't willing to settle for that. So for me, it was take less money, be in the right role. And that to me is like, I have CNN and Sports Illustrated on my resume forever. That can't be taken away from me. And so then that launched launch itself into other things. And as I said, then as my priorities shifted, as things became more important, as I wanted to move out to the suburb, like a little further rural and have more land and I grow my garden and have time around my kids, I can still perform at a high level, but I can also make those demands and say, this is what I need in order to work for your organization. I don't want to be commuting an hour and a half each way. I don't want to move to a different city. These are the things I'm willing to, to do for you, but it's going to be somewhat on my terms. And so I think the best thing I could tell anybody is to be somewhat flexible early on and then figure out what those demands are. Because if you asked me when I was 22 years old, I would not have known that this was my demand. If you asked me when I was 22, are you going to want to live out in the country and have an organic garden with your three kids? I would have been like, no, I want to live in the city and I want to go out. You know, like it would have been totally different. So be open to the changes that kind of come about in your life and understand where your priorities change. They don't have to be rigid. They can change. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Brian, I love this idea of building career leverage to really be able to create those possibilities down the road that you're looking towards. I, I think that's such a great perspective and really resonates with me. So thank you so much for sharing that. And again, I just want to thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. It's fun to have somebody in a unique industry doing a unique job um, that maybe wasn't a job 20 years ago. And I think that speaks to the importance of gaining those skills, being flexible, willing to learn. And, and so you're a great example of that. So again, thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. To learn more about Brian's work, including sports career game plan, workinsports.com memberships, and the Work in Sports podcast visit the links in our bio below. Thanks for joining us here at the Career Studio today. Please join us next week as we continue to discuss this month's theme of determining career non-negotiables.